Welcome to Out and Out Vibes, a new age, new day, and modern calmness radio show. Percy and Mastro will be exploring an array of metaphysical topics. They'll be helping callers with insight about their questions. So welcome, and let's start our journey into a newly found awareness. with Nancy and Gina. Hi, everyone. Hello, and we have an awesome guest. Now, our guest is, she touches on psychic and supernatural topics. She does nonfiction research in books. She has published many books. She's done university courses. And you also recognize a lot of her work on the television show, Paranormal State. But she's been on other shows, too, which we will touch on. Her name is Michelle Bellinger. Welcome, Michelle. Hello, hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. Um, so you've been on a wide range of topics and a wide range of television shows, and we'll touch on bases on all of them. But um, let's first start out with Gina. Gina, let's start your first question yep. with Michelle. So, Michelle... Um, when did you first realize you were psychic? Oh, really, really early on. I, although the, the realization that kind of drove it home was realizing that not everyone else was. So, so that took like going to school. I, I grew up in a family where it was accepted. People talked about it. Um, you know, everybody else, their mom would play that memory game where you would turn cards over and you would try to like memorize where things were. And, you know, my, one of my earliest memories with playing that game was she would get a, a deck of cards. She'd make pairs. She'd put maybe 24 things down and she'd flip one card over. She took my hand. She held it over the card. And then she guided my hand over the other cards and asked me, which one feels warm? And then from that taught me how to pick from just from a psychic perception, from, from a, from a, not from memory, but like just which card feels like it should match that card. So, so I started your... pretty, yeah. My, oh yes. Yeah. My mother was, um, and it, it ran along, um, her, her father's line. So, and, and actually on her mother's side too. I'm not. I don't know about my father's side, um, but okay. both of my mother's, uh, so my mom's father and my mom's mother, both those family lines. One was Irish, one was French, and they're all very weird. <laughs> and it, it, sounds, it sounds like you're, it's all female on your mom's side. Um, with your dad, you're unsure, but did you recognize possibly your dad had some availability sometimes knowing things before they happen well the only reason i don't know about any psychic ability on my father's side is my birth certificate has a blank there you see my call my, gotcha. my mom had me in college and while um toward the end of her life uh i've got a pretty good idea of who he should who he probably was i don't mm -hmm. know for sure so, so okay. there's no way to track that but i will say on my mom's side um her father was was also um very aware of stuff uh we had some really Really a guy with you, like mm -hmm. that's like a father figure who's dominant and he has a psychic ability. So that's why I'm bringing that to you. So I don't know if he passed already because, you know, we met before at Penn State, but mm -hmm. he's prominent with you behind you and letting you know he's here. So oh, yeah, my, my, my grandfather, my grandfather hangs around and he, he had my, okay. my mom's dad and he's, he's definitely, definitely like, yeah, that, that was, that was a big thing for him. And it was the thing that we bonded over, he and I. Gotcha. So he's that father figure big in your life. Um, so interesting. So since you knew you had that psychic ability and was able to do different things than normal kids, how did you find out who you were or understood it? I mean, it was open topic, which is awesome because a lot of times that doesn't happen uh, with families. What did you realize more in detail, like how did you find out who you were, what your gifts were when you were growing up? One of the other really good things about the family I grew up with is that they encouraged us to read. 
Um, and like mm-hmm. really, if we were interested in a topic, then do research on it. Uh, and okay. I, I happened to be, you know, I went to a public school, but it was at a time um, in like the the middle and late 70s, you know, just on the heels of the whole UFO interest thing, parapsychology, ESP, there, there was there was a spike in interest then. And so there were a fair amount of really useful books in the public library and in my school library. Uh, and I I remember there was one, It was I think it was from a Time Life series, and it was just called Parapsychology. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I was reading that at like 8, 9, 10, uh, and it was like my first introduction to like the idea of Zener cards, um, you know, what clairaudience was, clairsentience. Uh, and so, so really I was encouraged to read widely, uh, to mm-hmm. understand what other people had been studying, uh, to have conversations with adults if I wasn't sure about something. And, and in reading and studying that stuff is, is really how I kind of found my own particular path with things. Hmm. Um, I read that you define yourself as a psychic vampire. What does it mean to be a psychic vampire as opposed to being just a psychic medium? So the important part there is the, the psychic ability. Um, it, and part of that path for me was, was a complicated one because all of the books, and pretty much anybody at the time, like if you said psychic vampire, like that's, that's a negative thing. Like if they recognize that that exists, and somebody who is psychically able to perceive the energy of others, connect to that energy, but also take it, most examples are people who are, who are predatory. They either don't realize what yeah. they're doing or they absolutely do, and they're unethical about it. Um, I recognized the ability in myself um, very early on, uh, and it, it was pretty clear that I, I could connect to energy, I could sense it, um, and that I would take it, whether I you know, was conscious about it, whether I was intending to take it or not, um, and that I, if I really tried, I, I could definitely take it from people. And it, it led me to like really dig into what, what is this concept um, the definition I, I arrived on from uh, books like Dion Fortune, Psychic Self-Defense, um, a host of other things from uh, like the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and the, the Occult Revival in London in like the 1880s, 1890s, which is one of the, the first places where you really see psychic vampirism discussed. It's a person who needs to regularly and actively take human vital energy. If it wasn't from people, you, you wouldn't put the vampire word in there at all. Um, and those people are almost always psychic, uh, the psychic vampires. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be able to like perceive and direct the stuff that they're doing. Uh, and there is some factor in them. It, it varies from person to person, often a chronic illness. Um, and and it, it, again, it varies that they are uh, in many ways like proactively self-healing for. Uh, for a little context, I was born with a centrip- centripetal septal defect. Uh, uh, sorry, a fancy way of saying I had a hole in my heart, which in oh. the early 70s was a pretty big, pretty big deal. Um, yeah. So I'd, I'd had open heart surgery twice um, and a couple of other surgeries, and, you know, my life expectancy was five. So I was, I was a pretty sickly kid. And once I kind of got my legs under me, I thrived, but realized that, you know, my ability to, like, stay healthy and... Um, you know, be strong and in a lot of ways compensate for uh, the, the issues my body otherwise had was coming at the expense of, of friends and other classmates. So I learned what a psychic vampire was, what I was doing, so that I could choose not to do it unless I was making a conscious exchange with someone who was aware of what they were doing as well, um, who could, could, could give and exchange energy. Now, the funny thing is, is like over here in, in Western society, the idea of a psychic vampire is is either weird or scary or sounds unethical. But, um, you know, when I met with a, a Chinese-American friend, uh, his first-generation uh, American, and I was like, do, do you, because I know you guys, like, there's there's chi and, and stuff, and mm-hmm. like, you know, do you have a concept for, for like, the way things work for me? And I, I described it, he's like, oh, yeah. Some people have high, you know, too much chi. Some people have low chi. You just sort of sit down and share chi, and nobody makes a big deal about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of times they don't have, um, you know, boundaries with Chinese culture because of the exchanging of energy a lot. They're open more so. But certainly there's, there's some very significant cultural differences. Uh, oh, yeah. And 
just the, the awareness that energy is just sort of like an everyday thing. Because um, mm-hmm. if, if I had to say, like, the one struggle for me growing up, psychic ability was understood. It was normal. Um, right. Kind of coming to the conclusion that I had a vampiric quality, like, like an aspect to my abilities where I could take this energy, that was a little weird um, mm-hmm. and c- kind, of, kind of scary. But coming to the conclusion that energy existed, that people had vital energy, that people could give and take this. Um, you know, we were just starting to get into the point where Reiki was uh, widely practiced and mm-hmm. that people understood, where hands of light um, and, and hands-on healing and stuff. So as, as I moved forward through, like, the 80s, the early 90s, more books became available on these concepts that I'd been struggling to go, I think there's this energy thing, and I think I can take it. What does that mean? Uh, and, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my path for first writing books yep. came out of, you know, all of that, that journey of understanding what it meant, of, of learning to harness it, not necessarily as a negative thing, because, I mean, you know, how terrible, it, it's not a terrible thing to have an inborn ability to sense and harness people's energy. Um, it's only right. bad if you're doing it unconsciously and preying on people without, like, you know, fully, know, fully knowing what you're doing. Correct. Um, it, it's really all in, like, learning consent, learning permission, learning that it's just part of the flux and flow of the universe. So it sounds like you're, and even, even though it's, you pronounce yourself as a vampire, you're an energy exchanger. You're yeah, I'm, yeah. an energy psychic. Um, you know how to use your energy to help others move to you, share um, freely, exchange, and you make sure that you know how to control your own, which is what you learn as being a psychic too. But you also learned your energy, your, your main soul of yourself, how to distinguish and help with that. It sounds like through discipline and understanding yourself more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and the vampire word became a, an identity tag largely because I read, um, it, it was primarily uh, Dianne Fortune's book, Psychic Self-Defense. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a chapter or two where she's talking about an encounter with someone who she identifies as a psychic vampire. And the abilities that she defines this person as having um, were like, I, I could have just gone down a checklist and gone, yep, yep, yep. All of that is me, <laughs> with the one exception of this person was clearly a predator, did not get mm-hmm. permission, and did not do it in any kind of productive fashion. Um, and so I, at that point, like, you know how when you find a label, even if it's, you know, something that you kind of have to, like, clip a few things off of and like, squeeze yourself sure. into. When you're young, you like you find that label and, like, this, this is me. It's me. I got it. Yep. Um, <laughs> So you're you're a modern energy vampire psychic um, in the sense that you do it all and you found what you went within and found who you were and you share it with on the multiple topics of books that you do cover within your books you give a little part of yourself of who you are it sounds like yeah I'm 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 an energy worker and you know I understand that that doesn't just mean somebody who gives energy sometimes that can be someone who takes energy and, and you know at the at the core, it's knowing how and when to give and take. Um, that, you know, there's, there's benefits in all directions. And a lot of people don't learn that till an older age. So it's interesting you learned it at such a young age, and so you were able to help so many, you know, going forward in all different topics. Um, we're actually going to take a commercial break. So, Dina, okay. the telephone number for our listeners to call in. It is 888-627-6008. Give us a call if you'd like to ask us a question. We'll be right back with Michelle Bell and Jay with Out and Out Vibe. We have created a new trend by mixing comfort with a positive design to inspire the wearer of our clothing line. In each of our custom creations, we've designed an inspiration word incorporated into a Mandela. If you want to be the first to check out these cool designs, visit us at out 
dash and dash out dash vibes dot my shopify dot com that's out and out vibes dot my shopify dot com or visit nancy tercy dot org have a great metaphysical shop in New Jersey, which is known as Sacred Green Earth. They carry a large variety of new and used books, including audiobooks and DVDs. Our statuary and gifts are imported from 14 different countries, and they carry inspirational banners and decor items from many diverse walks of life. This store prides itself on carrying the highest quality of incense from all over the world. We're located at 511 White Horse Pike, Oakland, New Jersey. Or simply call us at 856-854-7700. Welcome back to Out and Out Vibes with Gina and Nancy. Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) Our our guest is Michelle Bellinger, and we're going to get right back to talking to her. Nancy, we have a question from a caller. Do you want to mention it? Yeah. Um, His name is Ken. He's in Thailand, and he has a question. he says, I met you at a paranormal state convention many, many years ago when you were on paranormal state. And you had this awesome energy when you walk into the room, like he was drawn to you from the energy that was like above you and around you because you had like thing, a lot of things going on that was enormous, especially mm-hmm. he saw an angel behind you that was big, like an archangel. Mm-hmm. Um big wings protecting you. So he kind of was drawn to you. But his question to you, when you work with the paranormal, especially like on a television show, how do you keep yourself grounded um, in the sense because of all the commotion, because of the spotlight, because of all that, how do you keep yourself grounded to be able to help on that type of area or television show? The learning curve was pretty steep. Um, I mean, part of my job for any of the paranormal shows is to go in as a psychic. When, when, they, when they hire me as a psychic, when they want me as a psychic, my job mm-hmm. is to go in like as, as stripped down as possible, as, as you know, shields down um, within reason and be as open as possible to anything I can pick up so that I can assess what's going on you know, to the best of my ability. Uh, and like the only way to survive that as somebody who's sensitive is to be really clear about like when I open things up and when I close them back down. Uh, mm-hmm. So like going into the place at first, like there's, I don't know, the walkthroughs can take anywhere from 30 minutes, two hours. It, it varies. Um, and sometimes that's just, you know, how much time they've got and whether or not they're rushing me. Uh, and then after that time, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of how... I'd learned how to do, like, shielding, grounding, centering, and shielding techniques pretty early on. I didn't necessarily have the language to describe them, to call them that. Um, But, you know, some of my down-and-dirty tricks for kind of getting myself back together, like back into myself and get those boundaries back up, I'll often go into a bathroom because it's a a controlled space that I can close myself into, I close the door, remove Mm -hmm. myself from, from people. It's quieter. Um, take a couple of breaths, run warm water or, or cool water um, over my hands, uh, partly to just help have just a very physical, tactile focus as I let go of everything. 
and just let it wash down the drain. Um, okay. And then from there, just recenter myself and, you know, put my, my, my shields within reason um, back up. You know, again, when I'm, when I'm on a show, when I, I'm in an episode, I want to have a fair amount of, of awareness. I, I want to keep the sensitivities up so that I can perceive what's trying to communicate with me so that I can read the house and its peoples. Um, but, you know, trying to make sure that I can do that and not just be bowled over in some locations. Frequent, frequent breaks, uh, frequent times where I just take a little bit of time to myself and that, that ground center shield technique, just grounding, letting it go, centering, pulling myself to center and taking a few calm, quiet moments where I'm just inside myself and then shielding, um, you know, erecting some barriers. Although in psychic work, for me, it's more filtering where mm-hmm. it's, it's permeable, but it still allows for me to, you know, have a couple of layers where I can say that's too much and, you know, shut it down if it, if it is overwhelming. Um, his second question is, um, he understands the filtering and everything with that, and that's great information. Is there a crystal or any of that? Because, you know, a lot of psychics or mediums go towards a, a stone also that they wear or use. Do you have one that you prefer when you're doing that type of work? So stones never really spoke to me. Um, and I, I view that as very much like an individual thing. And, and some of that is kind of uh, where I come from and how I work. Uh, mm-hmm. So more, more than a stone, what actually works for me, if you see me on TV, often you'll see me arriving in a leather coat. Uh, and, ah. and that's not just a fashion choice. It was okay. something, when, when I was first learning how to shield, I, I'm very much an 80s kid at this, at this point. <laughs> I'd go to the mall. And Mm -hmm. I would, like, practice putting my shields up in, like, the busy time of the mall and, like, walk around and, like, kind of, like, dial it up and dial it down. Um, Because on top of everything else, like, you know, you you, you feel all those people. I I can read all those emotions. And the first thing that I'd done was I I bought a leather jacket um, when I was, I don't know, a a teen. And I, I found that's where I learned having a physical item a tactile item that reminds me of what I'm doing. You know, I'd put it on literally as my psychic armor. And it became okay. so second nature for me to work energy and shields into an item of clothing like that. And I think for me, the fact that it is leather, that there's a little bit of life and death energy in it. And I know for mm-hmm. some people that might sound a little weird and creepy, but, no, you know, it, it doesn't. It's, for me, it yeah, doesn't. It, yeah, it, it, there's... You know, for the longest time, I was like, well, why leather? And I'm like, I think that there's, like, there's there's the death of the animal, there's the life of the animal, like, there's something that I can kind of anchor into with that. Yeah, it's um, the energy. Yeah, there's there's definitely energy with it, and yeah. that's energy that I very strongly resonate with. Um, okay. I, I don't, I don't want to creep people out, but I very much resonate with, with death energy, not in the sense of like, you know, run around and kill things, but that there's yeah. just this, there's this liminal power in things that walk that line between the living and the dead. Uh, and, in between worlds. Yeah, and it's definitely something that resonates with me, that speaks with me. Um, I will not go so far as to, to call myself a shaman. I don't come from uh, a background or a culture where I feel I have a right to that word. Um, sure. But having done my, my religious studies thesis on shamanism, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in other cultures, I can see elements, shamanic elements, in some of the things that very much speak to me. Um, I can understand because for me, you know, being the medium in between worlds, my favorite thing are like skulls. I have skulls like, you know, like cow skulls, like Native American has painted it that I got out west for mm-hmm. me. And I'm drawn to the same thing. So, you know, because you're in between worlds, you will be attracted to something that's in between. So it's interesting. I thought I was the only one, but it's interesting to share that with our listeners because a lot of times they don't understand that. But we're in between worlds, so you see both, so you you are attracted to that. So thank you for sharing that. And he said thank you very much. That helped him a lot, and um, now he's interested in getting a jacket. <laughs> yeah. Well, it certainly doesn't matter how... It, it certainly doesn't doesn't hurt to have those wings at my back. Yeah. 
but he loved your energy and he said you're a beautiful person in and out and you're still glorious, he says. And thank you for sharing that with him. Yeah, it's funny. A lot um, of people will hear the, the vampire label and they'll be like, but but you, you put out so much energy when you walk into a room. And I'm like, yeah, because I get like how my energy works, you know, and, and, and I, I, I've owned it. Like I, I, I'm not afraid of it. And there's correct. an incredible amount of power in that. Exactly. Um, so, Gina, did you have a next question to ask? Um, I just wanted to piggyback back onto the energy and the work that you've done to help yourself develop it. I know that you have your house, Keperu, um, yep, which, um, which is a group of energy workers. What do you do with this group? So house, Keperu, it's, it's not merely energy workers. Um, reincarnation plays a fairly significant role in most of our belief system um, and the vast majority of us feel that we've worked together before um, and that we're, we're drawn to one another frequently, like kind of time and again. So some of it is working through past karma that we have as a soul group. And the rest of it is about not only learning and, and coming to better understand the abilities that we've carried forward um, through our particular journey, but also helping to, not just share and teach that, but like raise awareness uh, among people in general about energy and energy work, getting them to ask questions about their own nature and their abilities, uh, and facilitating dialogue between multiple approaches and traditions uh, so that we can find the common ground that we have um, as energy workers, as beings that work with light. Okay. Interesting. So um, do you help um besides with the energy what do you help do you help certain things that are going on in the world do you help individuals do you help find things or help people who are missing like what do you do a lot with your group um primarily instruction and teaching so people who have okay. abilities um who haven't especially if they are, are distressed by them or they don't have like a good safety net and how to figure out how to deal with it. We do a lot of instruction. We do a, a lot of healing work uh, as well. Um, so a, a lot of the folks who, who work in, in Haskepro develop various abilities, uh, or I should say various methods, uh, to read okay. a person's energy. Not, not merely the aura, but like the energy body. We do a lot of work with the flow of energy, energy blockages, uh, trauma and damage that people carry forward either from this life or for, from previous ones and how that impacts their energy. Um, and mm -hmm. while we do a lot of healing work, I would say that a bigger focus is on teaching people how to heal themselves. Oh, awesome. That's a great, yeah. Um, we, really great. Do have a, we do have a question um, when you just said that. Uh, from our listener, Jennifer, she would like to know as a group, when you do the healing or understanding healing oneself or healing, what is one of the ways that you teach people for healing? It's going to look a lot like um, for, for healing themselves. Uh, there's, there's a simple place to start, which is just a, a meditation where you, you sit and you let your breath pull your attention into your body. And you do a reading on yourself on where the energy flows and how it flows and where it feels like it gets caught or clogged, where it may feel hot or cold or knotted. And, and I, I toss out all those different words because uh, a dysfunction will feel different for each person. Like if, if somebody like really likes heat, you know, hot isn't going to be how a problem manifests to them. Um, so we encourage people to learn their own internal language as well. Um, but you, you go through this seated and you step down from, you know, where you sense your center is and go all the way down through the core of your body, um, following, you know, the line of the spine and the line of the chakras down to the bottoms of your feet and all the way back up down to the, um, down to the tips of your fingers and all the way back up. To, it's kind of a self-diagnostic to see where does the energy feel like it's not flowing because a healthy system, yeah. it's like a circulatory system. Uh, and, and from there, allowing your attention to go to where it doesn't feel right and, and ask yourself questions of like, you know, 
why doesn't it feel right? How doesn't it feel right? Um, you know, what, what am I carrying here? Is this a physical problem? Is it something that, you know, is the energy caught up because it's emotional? Is it trauma that I'm carrying from this life? Is it something from the past life? Um, and we always encourage a lot of, um, you know, self-checking, but also checking in. If you have the option to have like a study buddy, um, mm-hmm. somebody who, you know, you do your perception, you don't tell them what you think you, you've perceived, but then they also do theirs and you can compare. Um, oh, because one of the most, idea. one of the most instructive things I've learned teaching people for the past couple of decades that I have is it's in those moments of validation when someone else also perceives the same thing and you didn't tell them and you know it's not because they're trying to impress you there's somebody that you can trust and you get that sense you know what it feels like when you're when you have a legitimate perception at that point like it really helps build confidence okay great wisdom to share and she said thank you very much so and at this point we're going to take a commercial break Michelle Bellinger with Out Now Vibes. We'll be right back. Are you looking for that great podcast that you can participate with and get excited about? They will take you on a journey of insight and answers. Then you found it. Join us on Out and Out Vibes with Nancy Tercy and Gina Mastro, which airs every other Sunday at 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on PBS Radio. Music is all around us in this world, and we invite you to listen to this powerful, romantic, and enchanting music from Galeb. Galeb's velvet tenor voice will transport you to another time and space with his romantic and powerful vocals. His inspiration in his performance draws from the tenors he most admires, such as Bocelli, and Pavarotti, Domingo, and Corelli. Come check out this great tenor at galeb.net. That's spelled G-H-A-L-E-B dot net. Welcome back to Out and Out Vibes. We're here with Michelle Bellinger. And Nancy, I think you said you have a question. I do. Um, Speaking of that, because you were talking about um, your group, uh, I have from Lisa, one of our listeners, she was wondering, um, is your group open up to newbies if they're interested? Do you have open events that people can come to? Um, or how does your group work? Uh, we do a yearly event where we encourage you know anyone and everyone to come. Um, it's called uh, it's House Keppers Gather. Uh, we hold it in Oberlin, Ohio. Uh, this year it is uh, the weekend of June 23rd. So I think the it's yeah 20 whatever is the Friday, Saturday, Sunday there. Um, and, and forgive my bad head for numbers. <laughs> it is. Um, and, it is June 22nd, uh, June 21st is Friday, 22nd and 23rd, Saturday Perfect. and Sunday. Yay, I remembered a number. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, it's, we have not merely our members teaching because a, a lot of our stuff is about, um, you know, not just tolerance, but multiple perspectives. That One of the things that we say is we're all pieces in one another's puzzle. Uh, and so I, I encourage um, 
presenters from multiple backgrounds and things. You'll have energy workers, you'll have uh, folks who are professional psychiatrists who are also open to energy work and are willing to talk about the, the intersection of their work with that. Uh, we've had uh, a physicist talk about string theory and quantum theory uh, and, you know, practitioners of every sort of like psychic ability and, and stuff. And of course, we, we teach um, some of our energy body stuff um, as a group and some of the, the healing work that we do as well. Um, so there's that. There's every, I don't know, four to six weeks or so, I own a property in Oberlin called Inspiration House. And we do like little intense group classes of various paranormal and psychic topics. And we we do take applications. Um, we only take a few like new students into the house per year because we we believe mm-hmm. in a very hands on process. Sure. Uh, we just we just brought in the three new dedicants this weekend, and it's likely that we won't take any more than that three for another year. Uh, and you know they go through psychic development, and you know it's it's a whole lot of know thyself. Um, mm-hmm with the goal of giving the person, every person, the tools to figure out what their path is, what their truth is, how their particular system works, and, you know, ideally getting them to a place where they're comfortable uh, sharing at least part of their journey with others in an instructive way. Oh, awesome. So I have a question. Um, I've started reading your book, Psychic Dreamwalking. I, I really love the book. I like the way it's written. And I thought maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about what psychic dreamwalking is. So psychic dreamwalking is the intersection of out-of-body experience and lucid dreaming. Uh, and as weird as it will sound, I was taught how to do this when I was in fourth grade by another fourth grader. Uh, <laughs> and she was a very, honestly, okay, real talk, I believe she was a walk-in. Um, mm-hmm. And she was pretty straight up about being a walk-in in fourth grade. Um, so I had some pretty extraordinary experiences with this, this young person, um, and, and dreamwalking being not the least of it. Uh, so for the longest time, I really didn't think that I could astral project, and it really wasn't something that I could wrap my head around, the whole, you know, lay down and, and project a part of yourself out. But going in to travel, that worked really, really well for me, and that's essentially what dreamwalking is, either in a light trance state um, or training yourself to lucid dream enough to use your dreams as a launching pad to reach out across distance and boundaries to communicate mm-hmm. with people. Um, dream communication, dream telepathy is like one of the most commonly reported paranormal experiences. You know, there's, there's just reams and reams of experiences, especially spontaneous experiences where somebody in crisis reaches out to a loved one, a friend, a family member uh, when something is going on and they, they will show up in their dreams to communicate. Uh, mm-hmm. And then all the way back to, you know, the, the roots of Western civilization, dreams as a vehicle for communication with the other side, for communication with, um, you know, higher entities. Uh, that that you know you you've got writing about that and techniques for that as far back as Sumer and Babylon, um, dream visions were things that guided kings and prophets, uh, and so there's yeah. just this rich space where dreams can allow us to reach into other realms, um, and they're a place where we travel within to go out. Is this something someone who doesn't consider themselves psychic can do? Can anyone do this? I I believe so. Um, The first step is to start, especially since you use dreams and dreaming as the vehicle for this particular ability, uh, the first trick is to start to work on remembering your dreams. Uh, and, And that, for some people, is very challenging, but really you start by just trying to keep a dream journal, by paying attention to your dreams. Um, our mm-hmm. dreaming minds, the way your brain is put together, um, what you think of as I, everyday consciousness, is actually a very tiny portion of your brain. And as you descend through sleep into dreams, you have more access to a much deeper, wider range of your mind than than where you live in in your waking consciousness. And so if you can learn to harness that, there's so many things you can do with it. 
and, and to give you an idea of people who worked with dreams for, for various sorts of problem-solving techniques, psychic techniques, um, Thomas Edison, uh, while he would never have called it psychic, uh, would mm-hmm. use dreams and the, the light dream state as a way of problem-solving, a, a way of like delving into um, the deeper part of his consciousness that understood the answer to problems that were confounding him when he was awake. Uh, and he's oh. not the only one. Eli Whitney, uh, there's numerous composers who, through dreams, were able to get the music and the things that, that solved their problems in their symphonies. Uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, I, I've got, there's ridiculous lists of people who use dream and dreaming as a way of unlocking uh, their inner potential. Uh, and it, yes, I do believe everybody can do that. That's great. Um, we actually have a caller. All right. Julie, welcome to Out and Out Vibes. What's your question for Michelle this this evening? Yes. So I was listening earlier, and I was curious when I heard you talk about utilizing or knowing your energy and utilizing it um, to its best ability. Um, as a young person, and I'm becoming increasingly aware of uh, who I am, and or trying to at least um i was kind of curious to hear you talk more about that maybe advice about how to um utilize your energy to its best ability i guess okay a lot of the places i tell people to start first is to spend some time getting to know themselves and i know that might sound facile or or too simple but so much of our psychic ability, so much of our energy work is directed through um, our psyche, through, through imagination, through dreams, through symbols. So knowing a little bit of your inner landscape is, is essential to being able to recognize when you are having a psychic experience versus when you are really, really hoping you're having a psychic experience and kind of convincing yourself about it. Um, and, and learning how you feel at rest how you feel when you're in a crowd, how you feel when you are interacting with like a friend that, with whom you've got a very, very strong connection. Um, because every conversation we have, every interaction we have with other people, there's, there's an energy exchange that's going on there. Um, whether you're, you think of yourself as psychic, whether you're conscious of that exchange or not, uh, and spending some time to get to know like how you feel as your default and how you move through the energy in the world, how the energy of other people impacts you, is incredibly instructive. Um, now, that doesn't come quick or easy, and I strongly recommend for mm. people to keep some kind of journal as they're getting to know themselves and getting to know the cycles they go through and the way in which they work with energy and interact with the energy in the world. Um, and if you're not a writing sort of person, we've got cell phones, so you can just you know, record stuff, dictate stuff at it, don't trip yourself up and expect that you have to write war and peace <laughs> levels of like <laughs> entries. Like it doesn't have to even be full paragraphs. Just write yourself notes and it you will find it incredibly helpful over time if you also date what you're writing. Write down a date. If you can, write down a time uh, because there are cycles in the world around us um, you know, there are obvious ones, day and night and the lunar cycle um, and the seasonal cycle over the time of the year. And there are different there are different peaks and valleys in the general energy of, of the world around us that happen around those as well. And knowing how we interact with that is incredibly instructive. And you can only learn that over time. Um, so when you can look back through your records, you can be like, you know, three years in a row around this time of year, like I'm suddenly having like really intense dreams and I feel uh, amazingly tuned in and it's always around this particular time. There's, there's some energy, there's something that you're reacting to that's, you know, you're kind of like riding the crest of a wave for that. And, and it's only through keeping a record that you can look back and, and be able to then predict, okay, probably every year around this time, this is the best time to be doing that kind of work. That's very interesting. You Thank you. And I, I um, just started journaling for myself with, because um, I've been starting to have more vivid dreaming and um, 
I'm like very sensitive to energy, so I've been trying to find ways to work with that and maybe write down how I'm feeling to then decipher what it is I'm feeling. So um, I liked everything you were saying, and I love how you speak. It's it's very interesting to listen to. Thank you. And I I want to say I suspect there's, there is an empathic element to your your abilities. So emotion is going to play mm-hmm. a fairly significant role in it, um, how you pick up the emotions of others, how sometimes they overwhelm you, and how you can uh, – we'll, we'll have to learn to navigate the, the line between what you are feeling you yourself versus what is resonating in you from the world or the people around you. Yeah, that's really what I'm trying to focus on now, being away. Uh, I'm away at college right now, so – it's kind of giving me my space to figure that out. Yeah, college was an incredible time for me. Like I sorted so much, so much stuff out, and some of it was, no matter how open-minded my family was, you know, you still have to strike out and get answers for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have a recommendation, Michelle, for her for filtering a little bit because she is trying to do that so she doesn't get overwhelmed? That you rec- can recommend to our listeners? Ah, uh, well. So go one of the places that you are not so overwhelmed that you can't concentrate, but that, you know, just start to be a little bit too much and take a few moments, take a few breaths, close your eyes if you feel safe to do so. And just imagine what it would be like for that noise outside of you to get quieter. And if there isn't an image of, a visualization that occurs to you, whether you're like finding a dial inside and you're turning the volume down, uh, or if, or you are, um, one that really works for a lot of folks who need to filter is thinking about like, um, different layers of cloth, like, like scarves, because they're permeable and you can have these curtains that you can pull back some, or you can have many of them so that you are you know, very, very far away from the stuff that is, you've got a lot of stuff in between you and what what you're trying to keep out. Um, but that permeability, uh, the sense of a veil that you can see a little bit through, but it blocks some of the light, it blocks some of the noise, uh, that can help. That's really interesting. I've never heard of doing something like that. Um, well, thank you for talking to me today. Oh, no problem at all. And thank you for calling in. All right. Have a great day. Thanks for calling the show. Bye. Bye. Okay. We actually have a question for you. Um, This is from Lisa. She has seen you. She used to see you on Paranormal State, and she was really into the show, and she loved her when you were on there. And she has a question. When you were on there, what is – in any being on that show, at any time were you scared, even though you do this, you know, day in, day out? Did you come across anything that actually scared you? There was one, uh, there was one episode where the experience less scared and more overwhelmed me. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. an episode where you do not see me on the episode, even though I participated in it. Um, It was in Mason, Ohio. And uh, the woman who had reached out to us for us to investigate the home had hung herself in it three weeks prior to us showing up. Um, Now, that was through a a number of just just bad things where, like, she'd been trying to get a hold of us. She was desperate for stuff. Um, Sure. And you can imagine how much email and stuff we got. And so she had kind of gotten lost in, in, yeah. And so she didn't get responded. She didn't get a response fast enough. Um, And so... What I can say about that is it was in southern Ohio. It was close enough to where I, I actually live, and she was close mm-hmm. enough to my age that when I blindfolded, stepped into the space where she had done that, it was so difficult. Ordinarily, you know, I'm, I'm doing readings where deaths happened 100 years ago, 50 years ago, and it's really mm-hmm. clear. It's, it's pretty easy to make a distinction between them and me. But in that particular one, Here's someone who is in the same, grew up in the same state as I did and is about the same age. Like all of the internal 
markers that I would otherwise use to separate her agony from myself um, were, were incredibly difficult Blended. to navigate. Yeah, and so, home. yeah, and yeah. so like three, four in the morning at the hotel after that reading, I do not believe that I brought something back with me. I was just overwhelmed by her trauma and, and the yeah. stuff that she'd gone through. Uh, so I woke up and for a good 10, 15 minutes, I had a really hard time separating me from yeah, this, from, from all of her stuff. And yeah, because like, it blended. I was, yeah, and I was conscious, like, I don't actually want to kill myself, but this sure. is what's going through my head. So, of course, like, and I couldn't talk about it, but I, I hopped up onto Twitter and I'm like, so, hi, guys, can't tell you why I can't sleep, but hey, send me cat pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Just to take your mind off of everything. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and that one... Um, actually stuck with me to a point where I didn't I would never have considered that it would be possible to get like kind of PTSD from doing a psychic mm-hmm. reading sure but the next the next two or three episodes that I did when I put the blindfold on I flashed back to that reading and I found it incredibly difficult to kind of pull that out and, and focus uh, we had a psychologist who would go with us especially to cases that might have been demonic so he could assess the psychological aspect and rule out psychiatric illness. Um, and I, I finally was just like, okay, I need to talk about this. <laughs> okay. And, you're and, all, and you are human. So, I mean, yeah. that being close, you're going to feel. And, you know, so that would happen, you know, on some cases for you. Yeah, So so that one more than scared that one just profoundly touched your home yeah yeah it really hit me um gina you let's talk about you had a question about her new cards that came out yeah so um you have some psychic development cards and it made me think of how your mother um, put out cards for you to decipher whether they were hot or cold um these psychic development cards are for, are they for everyone? Are they for um, people who want to learn to become, to focus their gifts? Um, who are they for? They, well, they're, de- they're definitely, at least in part, inspired by stuff that I did with my mom as a kid. Uh, and they're, they're for anyone and everyone who, they're not just for like testing your abilities. So, I was I was playing around with with Zenner cards fairly early on, and you know those are the ones that they use in the Ryan Institute that uh, Zenner created for JB Ryan. And even if you don't know what a Zenner card is, you've seen it. It's they're the deck that has the the square and the star and the wavy lines. Yeah, uh, and you know, they're based on the idea that like the psychic sender can like beam specifically that shape into the receiver's brain, and because of the nature of a, of a scientific experiment. If the receiver does not receive specifically that shape, it doesn't count as a hit. And the problem I've always seen with that is, you know, say you've been trying to do the sending and receiving with center cards for like a couple of hours and it's getting around lunchtime and you're thinking you're really hungry and the receiver can only like, like what they pick up, they pick up ham sandwich <laughs> and they're not necessarily <laughs> wrong. Right, but they're also not right by the by the state of the uh, the experiment. I wanted to create something uh, that worked with the way psychic abilities function by my experience, and and they are they're not simple. They're very associative. There there's layers of associations that come through with stuff. Uh, so you know they may be visual, but sometimes instead of having a clear picture of the information that you're getting, what you first feel is an emotion that you might associate with that information, or you will get a memory that you experienced something close to that, and it leads you to the information, but it's it's never as simple as, you know, here is this, this, this name beamed into your head. I mean, every once in a while that happens, but it's incredibly rare. So most of the abilities are associative and layered uh, and, and complex. And I wanted to create something that would allow someone who was trying to hone their abilities and understand how their abilities worked uh, to to work with those layers. And yeah. it's interesting because uh, you put picture, color, word, 
association together, not just the Zener cards with like a squiggle or a square or a star. You put all three and also like visual and tactile because no matter who the person is, whatever they're working with, they could develop their other senses with your cards. And, and there's a lot of people who are empathic, and they might not have thought of themselves as psychic because they, they don't get pretty pictures and they don't get names. They just get feels. Yeah. Uh, and That's I designed me. the cards. Yeah, and I get designed That's the you. cards to help with that. Like one of the, if you're working with a partner, one of the first things I tell people to do is before anybody tries to send or receive, go through the cards. There's six different, you know, colors with images. And write mm-hmm. down what you feel, what you associate with that. When you look at green and you're staring into this green forest, what are the various things that you are experiencing? Um, and kind of keep that aside as like a little guidebook because for an empath, they're not necessarily going to get the color green or the word green. But if somebody has the association of like calm, meditative, quiet, and solitude walking in a forest, and that's what the empath the, pe- the empath picks up that sense of I don't know but I just I feel really calm like I'm like I'm walking somewhere like that's a hit that but it mm-hmm. also tells you how your ability tends to manifest. Mm. Yeah, I like that. So and we are getting um, close to the end of our show. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell us what you're working on currently. Oh. I'm juggling too many books to give you a simple answer to that right now. Um, I'm I'm in that state where there's so many different things. I've been working with the artist for the psychic development cards on an energy body guide. Uh, So something that goes much, much deeper than just a a chakra and aura guide, Um, energy channels and a bunch of stuff. No, it's a a long-term project because it's very heavily illustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's one of the things. And, of course, a lot of my time has been going into Inspiration House, which is the retreat center that we, we purchased last year. Um, it's a house that was built in 1870. It is, by my opinion, quite haunted, but mm-hmm. in the coziest <laughs> haunting you can imagine. Um, like one of the people who stayed there had someone tuck them in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were the only person. Yeah, they were the only person in the house, but somebody tucked them in. Um, and... <laughs> We, we have that opened for um, for teams to come in, uh, but it's also a place that I use to uh, hold classes and also help people who might be working on their medium abilities, uh, you know, pick up and, and work with stuff where, like, right on site, I can confirm and, and help them understand, like, did you get a name? Here's the list of everybody who's lived in this house. Yeah, like uh, a safe so, spot for them to try out who they are and whatever they yeah. feel. Well, and, and especially a place that I know is haunted, but it's not dangerously mm-hmm. haunted. So, like, if, if you need to go in with, like, medium training wheels, nothing there will hurt you. Correct. And I'm confident that nothing there is, is dangerous. Like, anything that is a little overwhelming is just that's some of the stuff that's tied to um, the Underground Railroad past of the town. Um, oh. Anyway. Interesting. Um, well, if someone wants to get hold of you, um, you do have your website at www.michellebellinger.com, but what else, is there another way to get hold of you if they want to head to this event? Is the best way through your website? Everything everything goes through the website, keparu.org, okay. but I know that um, Keparu is hard to try to figure out how to spell from me just saying it. Um, okay. Yeah, and from my website, you can find my Twitter, my Facebook, um, all the House Kepru stuff, all of the Inspiration House stuff. Um, Great. My YouTube, where there's a lot of free stuff, um, and okay. just a ton of stuff that I just try to put out in the world, and of course, books and things. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much, Michelle, for being a guest. We enjoyed it. It was very, thank it you. was awesome having you, and yeah. you were inspirational to a lot of our listeners. A lot of our listeners, there's more people contacting us, but we'll have them contact you through your website and get in hold of you about any questions they have. Cool. Appreciate it. Thank you, Michelle. It's been great talking with you. Good talking with you. You two have a lovely night. (laughs) And you too. And listeners, thank you for listening tonight with Out and Out Vibes. This is Nancy. And Gina. Have a great night, everyone. 
Thank you so much for sharing this radio adventure with us this evening. Join us next time as we explore another topic which will expand your awareness of yourself and unlock potential opportunities for all of our listeners. See you next time on Out and Out Vibes.